This is the Beyond Belief Sobriety Podcast, where we examine topics of interest to people who seek a secular path to recovery from addictions of all kinds. Today, my guest is Susie Darren. I learned about her while searching for social media groups for people in recovery, and I ran across one called the Soberish Book Club. It's a club that meets once a month on Zoom. They talk about a book. The group is open to anyone on the spectrum of questioning their relationship with alcohol or even those who are solidly alcohol free. Uh, Susie is in the Tampa area, and there's a group of them in that city who, in normal non-pandemic times, will actually meet in person, too. Um, It's so nice to have you here today, Susie. Welcome to Beyond Belief Sobriety. Thank you so much. So one thing I always like to do whenever I have a guest is to get to know them um, really from their story of recovery. I'd like to go through the story of the Soberish Book Club, and it must and it had to start with your own personal story of recovery. If you wouldn't mind going into that a little bit, um, that would be great. Absolutely. It's tied directly into my recovery. So my addiction is alcohol, and one way I was fortunate is I did not start drinking till after high school. I know a lot of people's stories start in high school or even earlier. And alcohol just really helped me, certainly in social situations, but also dealing with stress, I think is one of the main ones. And sometimes people are social drinkers and sometimes people drink alone. I ended up tending more towards drinking alone, again, as um, sort of a coping mechanism for stress. And I had periods of my adulthood where I drank more and I, I drank less. And Partly that had to do with environment. You know, if I was amongst more people or in a relationship with someone who didn't drink, then it was easier for me to um, back off a little bit. And I had, so I had points in my adulthood where I drank heavily and I certainly had points where we would say we're rock bottom or should have been points where I would have thought to have quit, including, I think a lot of people's rock bottoms have to do with, um, that their addiction started affecting other people who were not happy with that in some way. You know, so it doesn't it doesn't really it doesn't always start from our desire to quit something. It's like, ooh, this is really getting in the way of other people. And so one point where I thought I would have quit is I was at a party, I think in my early thirties, and I I literally fell into a fire pit and face first and burnt my face being very, very drunk. And I healed from that and I backed off a little bit, but, you know, still, still did that. Almost got a DUI at points, drove, you know, drove numerous times drunk with my son in the car, you know, so all these things that should have shook me awake, but it it didn't. And I think a few years back, I just really got tired of it, though I thought about quitting a number of times was a few years ago, I really got tired of it. And I started as I guess over many years, I started as many people do starting to Google. And I, I have, I have known people in AA, and I have stepped into a couple meetings, you know, during my adulthood. And it, it didn't grab me as the right fit. So I spent some time Googling things like ways to quit drinking besides AA and stuff like that, you know, all those. Um, And it was in 
2017, I believe, that I started finding some things. And I think, you know, we're living in a period, and this is why your podcast is so, you know, pertinent, is we're living in a time where there's more widespread knowledge about the effect of alcohol and other drugs, and we're changing the conversation, and, and people are you know, wanting to quit in all different ways. So one of the first people I found was Holly Whitaker, and she has a site, Hip Sobriety. And at that time, she and Laura McCowan were doing a podcast called Home. And I started listening to that. And they just spoke in a language, you know, that um, reached me. And I started finding books. You know, um, I started with my first Quitlet book was This Naked Mind by Annie Grace, you know, that started to explain how alcohol is addictive in, in different ways than I had heard. And I went from there. And as many people do, it took me a long time before I felt like sobriety stuck. So I spent 2017 through 2019, um, maybe stringing days, weeks, months at different points of being completely alcohol free together. And I think I was still trying to fit alcohol in, you know, as as we do, you know, seeing, well, maybe I can moderate, you know, maybe I can be in more control. And so it was December 2019, where I realized, you know, I've, I have tried to fit this in. And it's, it's, precarious. It's like Russian roulette. You know, you just never know what's going to happen. And when something um, goes wrong, it goes very wrong. So, you know, it just, it just got to a point. Sometimes I say that because I, I love drinking, you know, I, I won't deny that, you know, um, and, but I started to realize that there were other things in my life I liked a little bit more, at least enough more that it was worth um, to not drink to do those to do those things, you know, for sure. So that was December, 2019 and um, September, 2019, I actually started the book club. So that's, um, you know, sort of good segue. So during my couple years of playing around with sobriety, I did start to meet some sober friends through like some Facebook groups. And um, that's so interesting. You remind me, I don't know, you may have read this book, The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober. By Catherine Graham. Yes. She, I love yes. that book. I read it about maybe a year or two ago, and she talked about hip sobriety. She talked about um, sober groups on social media who she later uh, met in person. And she had nothing to do. She said, Hey, if you like 12 steps, you like that stuff, that's great, but it's not for me. Um, but she found a way using just um, what we have today and to connect with other people for to support one another. And you remind me so much of what she did. Yeah. And that's the biggest point, the connection. One thing I find when there are people who do not feel that AA is a good fit, sometimes they really try to separate themselves from it. But I think why AA works are some key points that people who do not do AA end up utilizing. And community is a huge one. And when I find people talking about not being able to quit, you know, uh, particularly because social media is so odd. So if you see on some Facebook groups, (laughs) you know, there's people who are saying, I don't understand. I've read books about this. I know I don't want to drink. Why can't I quit? A lot of times it's, it's that they're lacking community and connection. And the writer and speaker Johan Hari, he talks about the opposite of addiction is connection. And so if you work that equation backwards, that means addiction is isolation. And people can be isolated whether they 
are social or not. You know, it's it's more about true connection, you know, actually talking about what is really going on with you, you know, with other people and hearing them as well. So in AA, there's certainly community. And I think it's essential for anyone, you know, quitting. So I started to meet some sober friends, but needed needed more. And um, a friend of mine and I were having this, you know, conversation like, hey, how can we get community? And so we decided on a book club um, since we were starting to read all the time you know, about alcohol. So the full name is from the get-go was Online Soberish Book Club. So the online is is part of the name. And this was pre-COVID. It seems like a long time before COVID, but COVID was really around the corner. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to believe. (laughs) And uh, so our idea was that we would advertise it through social media and we also did through meetup and that's how we, you know, found some more people in our area, but that we would open it to anyone in different states around the world. And we have had people from different states. We've had one person from another country pretty consistently and she's in Australia. So she's 12 hours. Yeah, it's always um, kind of hard to figure out. <laughs> and on a different so, day. <laughs> yeah, so she's about to go to go to bed, <laughs> right. you know, at 10 a.m. on a Sunday. So we, we did, we got community and these people that I've met through book club, there's been some consistent people, sorry, have become, you know, good friends and we've supported ourselves on our journey. So this is, you know, something like a book club, that's, that's definitely a difference with AA is it, you know, a book club, it's, it's one little piece, you know, and um, when you're going on your own um, for trying to get sober, you need to have a lot of pieces in, in place not just one. Um, but so we we discuss a different book each uh, month. And because there were core people who had been sober, had been working on sobriety for a while, at one point someone brought up, hey, can we switch out not just books about alcohol or recovery memoirs, but switch it out with um, other self-help books or inspirational books. So that's what we do now. And that tends to lead to, you know, um, a better conversation too, as we're really getting to know each other. Because if we're limiting it to, are you staying sober today? You know, we're missing a lot of things. Exactly. Um, I think that's really a good idea. And some of the books that you have coming up, um, I'm really looking forward to. I just started the one last night. And uh, I plan on joining your joining these groups and uh, something I personally need, you know, I need to have more knowledge and different from different sources. And I think that that's a great, great way to do that and meet some people that are um, in a recovery, maybe in a different way that I that I am. And uh, I like that. So Definitely. Nice that, so nice that you um, have been able to create a community like that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad to see that there's, you know, like we've acknowledged in this time with the internet, there's so many different um, resources as well, you know, and podcasts like yours, obviously. I think it's also nice that you open it up for those who are um, sober curious. They don't, they don't really know. They're not, they haven't really quite decided where, where they stand on the spectrum. And, and it is a spectrum, you know, of, uh, of how you use um, alcohol. And I think that's great to give people time to decide what they want to do. That's true. I think a lot of shame comes out of people feeling they have to be 100% sober right away, you know, which we sort of acknowledge is not usually anyone we admire who has been sober for a long time. They usually stopped and started 
you know, a number of times before it stuck. And there's an author, this is sort of controversial, it's not everyone's favorite, but there's author Adi Jaffe, Dr. Adi Jaffe, and he wrote a book called The Abstinence Myth. And he he recovered from, I think, meth and alcohol use, and then he worked in recovery. And he was observing that when people enter some type of recovery program, you know, often, you know, a structured treatment program, whether it's inpatient or outpatient, that they're told, okay, you have to agree to be clean and sober. You're going to be meeting with the therapist or group sessions and you have to be honest and you can't use. And he did some research and found that it's like over 90% of people use while they're in some type of recovery program, but they're told they can't and they're told they can't lie, but they end up lying to stay in recovery. So he he wants to approach the people who feel they failed and, you know, to acknowledge, to acknowledge that, you know, we can say relapse or we can say, you know, it took a while to get started or, or something. I'm being completely clean and sober. And so he f- has a focus more on acknowledging those people. And so that was sort of an inspiration um, from him. So I put out on my Facebook page, you know, once in a while to remind people as well, anyone, anyone questioning their relationship with alcohol is welcome. And it can be other substances, you know, as well, like I said, alcohol was my journey. And that's, you know, I connected with people who their primary addiction, you know, was alcohol, but a lot of people are um, had multiple addictions for sure. And another thing about that, too, is um, it's nice to get away from um, having to worry about, am I an alcoholic? Am I? uh, uh, Do I have alcohol use disorder? Um, Even in Catherine's book, she talks about, you know, um, not drinking is just good, healthy practice for anyone. And if you want to do something good for yourself, you don't have to worry. You don't have to put any kind of a label on yourself, you know? So it's kind of nice that you have it open for anyone who just, you don't have to worry about that part of it. Right. Yes, definitely. Um, For sure. Yeah. And we often compare ourselves to other people as well, you know, and that can be a barrier for us. You know, <laughs> it is a the, huge barrier. I was, yeah. uh, I was 19 years old when I first started questioning my um, alcohol use, figured I was too young. And by the time I was 25, I still thought I was too young. And that's when I had to stop because life had just gotten really, really bad. But that word alcoholic, that word was really, that's what kept me from even thinking of, you know, it was just, I, I couldn't accept that. I just didn't think that that was even possible. Yeah. And for, I, I definitely have friends who identify as an alcoholic and it works for them, but for a lot of people, yeah, it's a barrier where if we think if we don't fit into that definition, then we aren't. And I, Holly Whitaker writes about, you know, that term was specifically for alcohol and we don't say we're a cocaine-aholic or a cigarette-aholic. And it's a alcoholic is a term that ended up benefiting big alcohol because then then they could say, oh, well, most people can consume our it's product. It's just these oddballs here. Yeah. So keep giving us money if you're not, right. not one of those and those are special people. So, yeah. So, yeah. And that that brings up. I think it's really important for people to play around with language. We're we're in a period 
where people are telling personal stories, you know, there's personal stories about sexual assault, about, you know, involving police violence, involving gender identity, involving, you know, sexual identity, you know, so we're really in a time of people getting in touch with who they are and sharing their stories. And so we, we each have the right to use our own Absolutely. language, very you know, around very it. Important. Yeah. That, that was, uh, that's something that I had to learn very late in life, but it's critical for me now not to accept other people's labels for me or to, um, to describe my recovery or my, uh, what I'm doing for my own benefit and my own health, uh, in ways that to conform with them. I spent a lot of time conforming. Yes, <laughs> and, uh, yes, yes. I, I just, and after a while I realized I was doing that and looking back on it, it was a very, um, very difficult thing to come to terms with. It's like, wow, I can't believe I, I did that. But I was just conforming to what the group kind of expected me to say and do. Yes. And I like listening to your podcast. I learned a lot about, um, you know, um, atheist and agnostic, you know, AA groups. And that's that's a good point, because once you're willing to say what you really think, then oh you gosh. find others. <laughs> yes, you, you do know? start finding others. You find others and you find you learn. Boy, it just opens up a whole different world. You find other people like you and you find people that you thought were liked you that now suddenly don't really want anything to do with you. And it's just I think yeah, it's improving I, a little bit now, though, but still it was kind of Kind of weird. I think I think I'd heard on your podcast. Did you say that that once you sort of came out as agnostic, then your home group that you had been with for a long time had sort of shunned you, or was that you were? Well, guess? they started correcting me on things. <laughs> so so it's all about language too. So I started using different vocabulary. I don't need a higher power. I don't um, I just a lot of different things like that. But that that was the main one. And um, there was a lot of pushback uh, on me on that. Um, I would dispute a lot of the stuff that that we would read. You know, I'd say not that doesn't uh, doesn't really. I don't really believe that. And and it was not um, it wasn't really welcomed. And that's okay. I mean, I can kind of get it if if you're if you if everyone else was doing what I was doing and conforming to what the group consensus was the, for the way that we should talk and so forth then that's fine. They were also older people. I mean, I think that you find them mostly like me, my age, male, right? And they were comfortable with that. And uh, that was just their way. But there's a whole other group of people out there that aren't comfortable with that. And I started meeting them after I left that group. (laughs) It was really interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. If that certain box works for people, you know, it's awesome. I think part of the problem is some of those people don't see, oh, this is what works for me. And there right. might be things right. that, differently they, they that work for that other people. They project that it works on everybody else. Yeah. And that's something, you know, I have to remember because I'm, I'm a big believer in that, that you, a person needs to find their own way. That I think that recovery is self-directed, that each person needs to have their own experience and find their own way, mix and match, whatever works, I'm fine with. And I don't like this, um, what I see often within different communities online and so forth that I've been involved with where people put themselves in um, on teams. You know, I'm the AA team. I'm the smart recovery team. I'm this team. And my way is the best way. Your way isn't good. And they argue and fight. I think that's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. There's a lot <laughs> so. of bashing. It's a lot like politics, you know, it's, <laughs> it's 
the same. You know, one thing when you had mentioned when you had talked about bringing up just the idea of not drinking for your health during this pandemic year, where there are people who, um, you know, pro mask, anti mask, pro vaccine, anti vaccine, and then a lot of people who are saying we have to follow what the CDC is saying it's interesting because a lot of people I know who were like, you know, we got to listen to science. We got to listen to CDC drink and the CDC on their site has a lot of information about alcohol. And one thing I think in their latest report, they went so far as saying, cause they've said for a while, alcohol can contribute to, you know, I think there's like eight different cancers and they actually said in their last report, and drinking even less than one glass a day can put you at risk for that. Because before they would lean a little bit towards, well, moderation, you know, two to three glasses a day, you're in a better state. But they actually said, you're, you're putting yourself at risk with less than one glass a day. And so many of our friends who are saying, you know, we've got to follow the CDC guidelines for COVID are not willing to put down their alcohol for, um, you know, for for cancer reasons, you know. So what um, what are some of the more memorable books that you you all have discussed over the last year and a half that you've been meeting? <sighs> I think so. The last actually last month, I think people really like this. We read Blackout by Sarah Heppala, and she's a journalist. So it's a recovery memoir memoir. I'd say that really stood out. And also Holly Whitaker's Quit Like a Woman, because she goes into some different ideas. Um, But I will say that in the group, everyone gravitates to books differently. But one thing I liked about Blackout was she, you know, I haven't written my own recovery memoir, so I'm sure it's a tricky thing to figure out how to do. And sometimes people find describing drinking as triggering, you know, so you got to have a good balance with that, but really describe what happened. But she, she um, did a great job at describing how you're maybe wanting, you're wanting to drink less. That's the dangerous part, you know, and um, how that can go from an intention to have one glass of wine or champagne or whatever it is at dinner and how that can turn into a really disastrous night, you know, and how quickly it gets out of control. So she described that really well. Um, I'm also, right now I'm reading, though it's not for my book club, I'm reading Broken by William Cope Moyers. That's a long one. And he's, he does the AA approach, but he really described relapse very well and and what goes into that so i think for me i often uh, gravitate to books where they describe once you've quit drinking or once you're working queen drinking like what the appeal can be to start again and what to watch out for you know and and how that can how that can be dangerous but we've also so that's um like blackout and broken those are memoirs but there's also but and Quit Like a Woman is part memoir, you know, and part information. But there's books such as um, This Naked Mind by Annie Grace and Alcoholics. Yeah, Alcohol Explained by William Porter. I've read that one. Yeah. I had him on a podcast episode. Oh, that's awesome. I'll have to look that up. He's really, really nice. I like following him. Yeah, he's great. 
One of my favorite things about him is he definitely, you know, he's written numerous books. He has a following, but he still has a day job and he still um, is so active in engaging with his followers. So I'm just really impressed um, how he does that. But so there's books like Alcohol Explain that just sort of explains what alcohol is doing. You yeah, know, explaining he does a really good job with it. He does a really simple way that anyone can understand. You know, I, I, I thought he did a great job. Plus, I love how he also supplements that with his Facebook um, page and his website and he connects with his audience. He's it's pretty, pretty cool what he's got going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's interesting sort of seeing um, the sobriety business, you know, not to put a negative slant on it, but people, you know, people are really wanting a lot of books on um, how to get sober and about it. And some people have, you know, turned this into their full time um, work. And, you know, people do it in different ways. So, yeah, I'm really impressed at how he's still able to engage with people, yep. you know, so, so much and it for sure. me too. This is what got me curious to looking for social media groups like yours. It just, I, I, to me, it's amazing. Cause I got, I, I, I started dealing with my drinking back in 1988 is when I got sober. And at that time, um, if you wanted a book, you went to the bookstore and you looked around, you went to the library. <laughs> um, there, there, there just wasn't a lot of information at your fingertips that was easy to get. Um, it was difficult for people to organize into groups. And now it's a completely different universe. And uh, no one, I think, could have ever predicted this, that someone like William Porter could write a book, build a community around that, and people are getting well. People are moving, are, are, their lives are getting better and improving because of that. And they don't need the traditional programs that were started in the pre-internet era, I guess you might want to say. And I'm kind of learning about this kind of late in life, but it's just like amazing to me. It's still just like amazing. It is. It is. But, you know, sort of what we talked about earlier, when people aren't using a structured program like a, they are using the components. I think that's really important because with social media, I find I call people who aren't engaged in taking a lot of action as lurkers, lurkers on uh, social media. And if you're not really connecting, so I do find some of those people who are like, well, I'm on these social media groups and I'm reading books and I just can't quit. So connection, real connection is, is really important. So you got to find that in some way. And if you don't go to a structured program, you know, you gotta, you gotta put a little, effort into that for sure. And another thing in AA is service, you know, the importance of helping other people. And so, and it takes many forms, like you have a podcast, which is helping people, you know, I host a book club and we have done some other groups, you know, during COVID, like I did a Zoom women's group that's on hiatus right now, but anything, you know, any resource that you can provide for someone or to put yourself out there that you are available for people to reach out to, you know, that's a form of, of service for well. So as, as well. So I think, I think the components and structured programs are really important, you know, um, cause I, I know sometimes I've heard my friends introduce me to other people, you know, saying something like, oh, she just got sober from reading books, you know, and it, it wasn't, it wasn't that because that wasn't working. And that's why I had to 
what my reading books and listening to podcasts all alone was not working. And so that's, you know, I had to find sober friendships. I created a book club and then I've gotten involved in other people's communities too. And that it's a huge part because I, I don't think for me being the isolating, the physical isolating, you know, I, I, I think I'm more of an introvert and that's what gets me into trouble. It's like, you know, I think, okay, I just want to stay at home all weekend by myself. You know, that's where it had been dangerous for me in the drinking. Yeah. You know, I need to watch out for that just for my own mental health too. I, uh, I rely on this podcast a lot for, um, gosh, it helps me with in all kinds of areas. I learn a lot from guests, um, it helps me with my recovery, keeps me involved, the service component that you mentioned. Um, but sometimes I, um, lately what I've been trying to do is, is, um, spend more time with the podcast and less time with the community that I was involved with previously. And so, although I'm still connecting with people like you and talking to people like you, I'm not having the, I'm missing the other type of <laughs> form of, um, community that I was involved in before where I'm not actually you know, doing a podcast or something, but just actually being a person talking, you know, um, and I, and I'm, I'm realizing that I've kind of pushed a lot of, a lot of uh, people out and it's going to be easy to bring them back in again, but I kind of feel a need to do that. That's a really good acknowledgement. Yeah. I, I'm sort of the same way I'm, um, I'm presently in school and I'm a mom and, you know, I'm busy and there are some self-care things involving community that I, you know, and looking at my busy schedule right now, sometimes, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I gotta, I can't do everything. Isn't it? It really is. One fun thing, you know, I'll say this in case your listeners are inspired in their communities. One thing that we've done locally with some sober women, um, we meet every other Saturday at a different park in the area. Okay, I live in Florida, so this works um, year round. But we meet at a different park. It could it could be at an inside place as well every other week. And we call it the um, sober sa- the women's sober Saturday stretch and kvetch. So we like they might do yoga, they might do some physical therapy exercises. They learn maybe they're just you know lying on the floor, you know, stretching their legs a little bit, and we're chatting, and we're you know we're sober women, and we're chatting, and it's community. And that was one because um, so I'm in school, and the end of the term is nearing, and it's getting busier. I really thought about saying, oh, I can't do the next uh, stretch and kvetch. And then I had to, you know, realize that that is so important yeah, isn't it, for me. Yeah. yeah. And it does so much. So, yeah, but it's, it's, I, we need constant reminders yeah. of that self-care. Yeah. I'm realizing yeah. that as well. It's like, um, I'll go, I'll just say I, maybe from one extreme to the next, like I'm doing, I'm doing way too much going on in my life. So it's like, okay, I'm going to put all this other stuff away get get all that out and just do this one thing um and you need a little bit of variety definitely and that was you know when we were talking about william porter you know i, I really admire him but that's one of my thoughts i hope he's connecting to other people because he's so um involved in you know in his uh book and online community yeah i'm gonna have to reach out to him by the way and get him back on again to see what he's doing he also wrote a book about quitting smoking did you were you a smoker or are you a smoker I was I was I quit like um god about 1999 so. so that was that was like 10 11 years after you quit alcohol That's right that's right Okay okay yeah I know <laughs> That was my early, like years ago, that was my early impression of AA. And I think my my dad 
my dad did AA too, is, you know, okay, people quit alcohol and then they drink a lot of coffee and smoke cigarettes, you know, but it can, I know I've heard it's not good to try to tackle all of your addictions at once. I've heard both. I've heard heard, um, that, that that's the common advice you get in uh, 12 step groups. But I've also read that it's actually better to go ahead and stop them all at one time. I don't know. I went 10 years um, not drinking and continuing smoking. uh, But society changed so much over that period of time. So back in the eighties when I was drinking, I mean, yeah, back in the eighties when I was drinking, so at work, I could actually sit at my desk at work and smoke cigarettes, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was not, it was weird, you know. And then it was like in the early 90s that that started changing and people says, "No, we're going to build a special room for you folks to go smoke." And they they put us in these like isolated rooms that that, that you everybody would smoke in and then it was like, "Okay, that's not working. You guys going to have to go outside. I don't care how cold it is. You're going to smoke outside." Right. So it just, so society was making it more and more and more difficult. So I think that that actually did help me in a way because it's like, you know what? (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's a really good point. People don't believe me on this, but it's good that it's being recorded. So mark my words. So with smoking with, and I like watching I like that series Mad Men because it's all about the smoking and the the marketing. Exactly. um, you know, so there was there was a point, you know, when we were growing up, all movies and all movies, people were smoking and all the people we were admiring were smoking. And there was a push at one point as there were more anti-smoking campaigns. There was a push for Hollywood to not have people smoking. And that eventually, you know, took root where unless it's really particular to the character, they don't. And at the time, people couldn't imagine watching movies without people smoking. And I think the same thing's about to happen with drinking because any romantic story, you know, they get together with drinks and any, you know, any end of a hard day, any powerful person is drinking. All these different people we see drinking in movies. And I think there will be a push to stop that. And I think that'll... I think that will ha- start to help um, with well, our perception. It will. Yeah. It will definitely change the way that society feels about these things, about about drinking and alcohol in particular, just the way it did, did with smoking. Uh, it absolutely had an impact on me. And I think a lot of people, we have a lot less people smoking now than we used to. So Yes. I know a lot of people still do smoke. But, but they do. <laughs> they do. But, uh, not near as much as I used to. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It is not common. And they're not smoking around other people all the time, too, which, you know. One funny story I always, I always like to tell people that um, uh, it's just, it shows you how different the world is now. But when I, so when I was a kid growing up, my parents did not smoke. However, they kept a beautiful silver tray of cigarettes on the coffee table and a lighter so that when their guests came over, they could offer them cigarettes. Wow. You know, people do with that, <laughs> that with the alcohol too. They people do with alcohol now, so, don't yeah, they? Yes. They yeah. keep alcohol around so they can offer it to their friends. Mm-hmm. It's funny. My whole family, cause it was my mom, my dad, my sister moved back in with her two kids. So we had a full house, but everyone in my household ended up smoking except for me. And, you know, my parents smoked, you know, since before I was born. And one of my biggest memories, because I was a kid in the 70s, for Easter, in my Easter basket, they gave me chocolate cigarettes. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was like a product. (laughs) How funny. (laughs) You know, like, get used to it. (laughs) Right. 
<laughs> oh man, oh, this was so much fun. I really enjoyed this conversation, and, and I'm so um, happy that I learned about your book club and that I'm actually starting to read these books now. I think it's going to be good for me, and I look forward to participating in the next meeting that you guys have. And to find it, just go on Facebook and search for um, online soberish book club. Is that the best way? Susie? Yeah, it's online soberish book club group. But, you know, as soon as you start and the only reason that is the name on Facebook. And I like to emphasize that because it took me a while to learn this. You can set up a business Facebook page or a group and a group is private. So any interactions you have, like there won't be a bleed to to your personal account. So, yeah, add online Soberish Book Club group on Facebook. Yes. All right. So thank you very much. I'm going to go ahead and play our music and get out of here. here okay. Go. Thank you. That's another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support our podcast with recurring monthly contributions, head on over to patreon.com slash beyondbeliefsobriety or become a member of our YouTube channel. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, then visit our website beyondbeliefsobriety.com and click on the donate button. I do appreciate your support. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again real soon with another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety.